You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Oge Ogwe, the lead pastor of Circle Church International. He envisions all men living Christ-centered lives. Be blessed as you listen. Today, we're supposed to talk about revelation knowledge. Praise Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we'll be reading from verse 1 to verse 9. Listen, the Holy Ghost told me before I came for this program. I keep saying this program like before I came for this service that hungry hearts will be filled. Do you understand what I'm saying? Hearts that are hungry for the things of God. Hearts that have looked from afar and have pondered. You will come into the fullness of the things that you have desired in this meeting. In the name of Jesus. So that would tell you one thing. It is safe for you to be hungry. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? Hunger is a sign of Do you get what I'm saying? One of, the mid, one of the first symptoms of any sickness is loss of appetite. When you see a person who has lost appetite for the things of God, the person is sick spiritually. Do you get what I'm saying? A person who no longer cares about prayer cares about the word of God, no longer cares about the things of the spirit. Hands being laid, prophecies coming forth, words of knowledge spoken. You don't care about those things anymore. You are sick. And the truth is this. We live in an environment that helps us to um, live unhealthy spiritual lives. Do you understand what I'm saying? Have you, have you looked at Lagos I was talking to my mom yesterday how that when I was in Nigeria, um, you could leave work by 5 and get home by like 5.15. That gives you like 4 hours before 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock, 5 hours to do a range of other things. So I could leave work by 5, get home by 5.15, eat, watch a movie and pray. Before I have to go to bed in the night, do you get? But in Lagos, you leave the house, you leave the office by five, and you get home by nine p.m. And between five and nine p.m., you have suffered. You know, the problem with Lagos is not that it's not just traffic; it's suffering. Ah, it's a serious problem. <laughs> so you are going from Ikeja to Festac, or from Vi to Festac, because I stay in Festac, and you come out. You have to trek like 10 minutes to where you will find bus. And when you finally find the bus, you flag them down. The bus will stop at the beginning of Eric Moore. Then you will have to run and go and meet him where he is. You know, it's a thing. Because like when I was um, in Africa, when you flag a vehicle down, they will reverse and come and meet you in front of you and wait for you. But here, you start running. And then as you're running, the bus is moving. The conductor is insulting you. <laughs> that you're not serious. Come on, run! <laughs> then you finally enter the bus with your own money. You give the conductor money. He starts insulting you that he does not have change. It's your money. Get down. Insult you, insult you. By the time you get home, you're tired. Not just physically tired. Your brain is tired. You just want to eat and sleep. So I understand what it means for you to live in Lagos. And a lot of people tell you, oh, it's not, it's not feasible, it's not practical to grow up spiritually in Lagos. It is. It is. It's priorities, really. But it is. The first element of spiritual growth is desire. As long as your desire is untouched, I don't know why I'm talking about this, but as long as your desire is untouched, you will grow. A lot of people that are not growing, check it, the problem is they no longer have the desire to grow. They no longer have the desire to know the things of God. They no longer have the, You can sit pretty at home every Sunday morning and you don't go to church. Now, before... Your prayer life was Sunday, Sunday. And we're managing you like that. But now, you don't even go to church on Sundays. 
So you can go a whole month and not pray for 10 minutes. Do you see? And as you are doing it, the devil is clapping for you. He's telling you more of that. Keep it up. Keep doing it. You see, because a man who doesn't pray opens himself up to all forms of oppression from the devil. The first element of spiritual growth is desire. Do you desire these things? First Peter 2, 2 says that as babes, he says, desire the sincere milk of the word of God that you may grow thereby. So, not, he didn't say as babes, drink the milk. No, no, no. The desire is the beginning. He says, you should desire the sincere milk of the word of God. Why? Because if you desire it, you will grow. Praise Jesus. So don't let anything affect your desire for the things of God. The moment, and listen, a lot of people don't understand this, but your desires can be conditioned. Is that true? If you were like me in secondary school, because I was not a very serious student in the university. That's not a good thing, but if you were like me, there were courses or subjects that you didn't know in secondary school, and you knew you had to know them, and you didn't like them, but you taught yourself to like them. Is that true? How did you teach yourself to like You still reading the subject every moment, every moment, every moment of your life. This subject. That was, I, when, I, when I got into science class in my SS1, I hated chemistry. I hated physics. I hated science. I liked Dexter's lab. You know. But I hated science. Because it was too complex and complicated and abstract. Especially chemistry. You know. That time. But one night, I remember very clearly, I sat down with that book that the devil wrote. Ababio. Yes. I sat down with it. <laughs> and I, I remember cramming all the gas laws. Graham's law of diffusion, Boyle's law, um, Dalton's law of partial pressures. You know all those laws. For those of you that are not science students, I'm sorry, you can't relate. But yes, I, I crammed all those. And it started to become interesting to me because it was fun to see the law and its application in real life. Do you understand? And eventually, from one of my worst subjects, chemistry became one of my best subjects. What did I do there? I conditioned my desires. A lot of people don't know that they can condition their desires. If you can condition your desires, do you understand what I'm saying? Even for things of the spirit, you can condition your desires. You can tell yourself, I will pray. Even when I don't feel like I will pray. Listen, if you only pray when you feel like praying, then you will not have a prayer life. Am I saying the truth? Because you will only feel like praying once in like six months. When you remember, uh uh-uh, I've not prayed in a while, though. Kai, what I need now is to just go for a worship program. You know that sometimes when you just feel like that, I just want to be in that environment. Yes, that's the only time you feel like praying. So that's when you now pray. And sometimes when you feel like it's the structures around you won't allow you to pray. So you will go a whole year and you won't pray. There are people like that. Do you understand what I'm saying? There are people like that. But you learn to condition your desires. You learn to teach yourself that I will pray and I will enjoy it. <laughs> Praise God. You learn to condition your desires in the word of God. How frequently do you study the word of God? You learn to condition your desires about the things of the spirits. Don't just attend a church or, you know, attend a meeting. People, the power of God flows in that meeting. People fall on the ground. There's prophecy. There's healings. All of those things happen. And you go home and you're like, ah, it was a power-packed meeting. What was the effect of the things you saw on your desires? The way God has ordained it or the way God has organized it, orchestrated it, it, when you see it done, it sparks up the need to do it in you. Is that true? So you condition those desires also. 
How do you condition those desires? You go for prayer meetings. You listen to messages on prayer. There's some messages on prayer that you are, as you are listening to it, you are praying. Yeah, it will get you to pray. <laughs> do you get what I'm saying? You listen to messages on prayer. Things of spirit, you watch people do it more often. Praise God. What do you do with your YouTube? You just go to YouTube and you're watching The Voice from morning till night. And you can't go. <laughs> but you're watching The Voice from morning till night. I'm guilty of it also. Because there are people that can sing in this world. Yeah. But what do you do? It's not just enough to go there and watch other music videos. There's a reason why all these videos are uploaded online so that you can see them also. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, Elisha was standing before the river Jordan and he was, he didn't know what to do. But he remembered that Elijah at one time was faced with the same problem and what Elijah did was that he parted the water. So, Elisha said, where is the God of my father? So, he parted it. I told you when I was teaching you on faith, God is the initiator of faith. Is that true? That God is the initiator of faith. What that means is that in these little things, so when you see somebody give you a word of knowledge, God has initiated faith in you to do the same. Praise God. He has initiated um, the faith in you to do the same. Many times, you won't see the same thing because you don't try. Many people don't try. Listen, there's always the fear of being wrong. What if I give you a word and I'm wrong? I say sorry and I go home. I mean, could it get any worse than that? No. <laughs> but that pride of, ah, if I'm wrong, they'll not say, ah, that he's not a real man. Of, he's, come on now. Every single person that you see today that, was pro- that is proficient in things of the Spirit was wrong at some point. Praise the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> they were wrong at some point. They missed it at some point. They prayed for a sick person and not healed. Till now, there are people I pray for and they are not healed. But does that stop me from praying? No. I will see the same case somewhere else and I will pray for it again. In fact, the same person, if the person will allow me, I will pray for you again. Praise Jesus. So as you watch people do these things, you yourself, you come in the fullness of it. Don't let anything affect your desire. And you start to know that your desire is affected when your choices, your priorities are now other things above the things of God. So they are organizing a meeting, they call it a Holy Ghost meeting, and you say, I'll strip but then the same church organizes another meeting and calls it fun and games or food and worship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's where we will see you because you saw food. The problem is you don't get it. You are shortchanging yourself. You are shortchanging yourself. Never attend a meeting because you want to support somebody. So, uh, the reason I'm going for that meeting is because it's my guy that's doing the meeting and I just want to support him. You won't get anything out of the meeting. You would have wasted your time. Even if you want to support the person, let it be secondary reason. Let that be the secondary reason. Your primary reason for attending that meeting should be, I'm going to be blessed. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm going to be blessed. I'm going there to receive something, to be taught. Praise Jesus. Don't let anything affect your desire. Don't. It's dangerous. It's very dangerous. It's very dangerous. It's very dangerous. That's the easiest way for the devil to get to you. Listen, when the devil... I hope you know what the devil does is he tweaks your desires. That's temptation. That's the definition of temptation. Do you see? Do you see? 
John said a man is tempted when he's taken away by his lust. Do you see that? What did the devil do to Eve in the garden of Eden? He changed her desire. He talked to her until the Bible says she saw that the fruit was good to make one um, wise. It was desirous to make one wise. That's what the Bible says. So she, he kept talking to her about that fruit until she started to desire the fruit. And from there, he left, he left her. Oh, yeah. Now that you desire it, do what you want to do. It wasn't too hard for her to pluck the fruit and eat it the moment the desire was born. Do you understand what I'm saying? Many times it is your curiosity eh, that will destroy you. So you are on YouTube, you are searching ancient areas. For what purpose? Where does God come from? Eh, eh? If you know the answer, how will he help you? Praise Jesus. Listen. Don't let your curiosity lead you astray. You know, the other day I was having an argument with an eight. And the young man was telling me Christianity is a conglomeration of other deities and um, ancient legends and stories. Have you heard that argument before? That Jesus Christ, Christianity drew from many things like Krishna, um, um, uh, you know, Osiris, A um, Iris, and all of those ancient Egyptian gods. That Christianity was influenced. So many of the things we call the deity of Christ today were influenced by those things. And I was just watching him. And I asked him, how do you know? He said, I read it somewhere. I said, why did you go there? What were you looking for there? Number one, it is wrong. <laughs> like if we want to do an argument, I will show you with historical facts that you are wrong. But when, do you know, there's this thing we do, when you see knowledge that is contrary to what you've believed, or you tend to believe it. Do you get? So for example, there was a time it was going around that that thing you call biscuit bone is not actually biscuit bone, it's brisket bone. How many of you start calling it brisket bone? Raise your hand above your head. Yeah, you were wrong. It's biscuit bone. Call it. That's what it is. <laughs> Do you know? Okay, listen. Those of you that raised your hands, how many of you actually went to verify? Like you actually googled, you searched for what cartilage should be called. Those things are called cartilage. That's the scientific name. And they call them biscuit bone because they break when you eat them. Like biscuits. So where did you get brisket bone from? makes no sense. But because it's new knowledge, ah, I've upgraded my status. <laughs> like those people that is called pleasure player. Say the mayor of the player. You're not serious. <laughs> You're not serious at all. <laughs> we tend to abandon all reasoning when we see new knowledge. So they wake up and tell you Jesus is a conglomeration of other gods. You don't do, like listen, just basic studies, basic research. You don't need to do too much. Just Google it. And then you can see both sides of the argument and compare and contrast. But you will not Google it. There was somebody I was debating with. You know when Maraji's thing went out, it was heartbreaking that most of the people who condemned Maraji were not Muslims. They were Christians. Somebody said, I'm a Christian, but I don't believe Jesus is the only way. Another person said, I'm a Christian, and I don't believe Jesus is God. What? <laughs> Sometimes when I see just such people, my question for them is, what church do you attend? Let me know whether your pastor has failed you or you have failed your pastor. <laughs> Somebody failed some way. <laughs> is it that you or your pastor? Let me know. <laughs> say, I'm a Christian. I don't believe Jesus is God. I said, ah, you're not a Christian. You don't understand it. What we believe as Christians is that Jesus is God. Then somebody came out and said that, that you should not address people of other faiths that way. That Jesus did not address people of other faiths that way. I said, hold on, hold on, hold on. Which one? The Jesus that we know about? Did you see what he did with those Pharisees? He, he called them snakes, brood of vipers, liars. You know John 10, the thief cometh not but to steal to kill. The thief is Pharisees. 
Say, you know, the thief is Pharisees. He called them thieves. He said, Pharisees, we are not people of other faith. I said, he said, but the Pharisees not Jews also. I said, Jewish is not a religion. Jewish is a nationality. Jesus was Jewish. So, say, yes, that means they were of the same faith. I said, you are tired. <laughs> you are very tired. And then somebody actually came and now said, all these pastors of these days are not intelligent. So I replied, I said, Jewish is not a religion. Judaism is a religion. Jewish is like, is like Nigerian, as Jewish is to Nigerian, and Judaism is to traditional worshiper. Do you understand? You can easily find out if you just Googled it before you opened your mouth and allowed ignorance run out. Some people are that way. You see new knowledge, you don't check it out, you don't research, you just swallow it, hook, line, and sinker. And then you now say, this is what I believe. That's the devil takes you. He will, take, he will take that new knowledge and destroy your desires. Do you understand what I'm saying? He will take that new knowledge, he will take your desires and twist it like this. You no longer know where you stand. You are now confused. You now find somebody who says, I'm a Christian. But I think, you know, some people will come out and sing. Um, they will sing songs about how Jesus is the only way. He's the only way to, uh, I'm, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to my father except through me. But then they will come out on Twitter. And in their arguments, they'll be like, Jesus cannot be the only way. So we ask you, okay, if he's not the only way, what are the other ways? You say, I don't know, Shah, but there has to be another way. Are you really ready to make that gamble? Don't let anything affect your desires for the things of God. Don't. Don't. Do not. Um, before the year runs out or at the beginning of next year, we'll do another series on evangelism like we did at the beginning of this year. How many of you were here that time? We did a series on evangelism. Yeah. We'll do another series on evangelism. And then you will learn a couple of new things. This is not today's teaching, I'm sure you know. I told you so from First Corinthians 12, right? Yeah. We'll learn a couple of new things. See somebody that will say things like, we know that there was somebody, he came and he was, ah. Sometimes you want to just take somebody and spank him. You're not serious. He came online. A friend of mine, she posted that um, that um, that those of you that are saying should not have said it. When should she have said it? You know, but Maraji basically said that Jesus is the only way, basically, and then not Allah, not Muhammad, not Krishna, or Buddhism or Buddha, all of that. And then people came for her, especially Christians, you know. And then this guy, this guy now came out and now said that. That Jesus said we should not condemn. John 3.17. Now John 3.17 says, I did not come into this world to condemn it, but that the world through I might be saved. That's John 3.17. So I now replied him, John 3.18. Just read 3.18. Because John 3.18 says, whoever believes is saved. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he did not believe. So I, I just told him, don't go too far. Don't stop at 17. Just read the next verses there. He now came back and said, well, that they are condemned. But that, that, see, that they are already condemned. That means no man should now tell them that they are condemned. <laughs> I asked him, young man. <laughs> I asked him, young man, if your cousin or your best friend who you love so much was in the danger of hell. Would you tell the person that you are in the danger of hell? That you are, she said, he said, no, I will just present the gospel to him and leave it like that. I said, you don't love that person. You don't, like, imagine somebody you love is about to cross the road. Hmm? There's a trailer coming, the person is on his phone, and he's walking, and then you, you just in your own corner, beside the person, you just be like, ah, there's a trailer coming. Oh. <laughs> is that what you would do? You won't just shout it. You will drag the person. Baba, come back. Can't you see? (laughs) 
many of the time, most of those things that people say and do is because they don't really think the gospel is urgent. They don't see the urgency of it. Many people don't see it. Many people think that they still have many years to be alive. You know, we all think that, ah, you, you, you even hear it in the things you say. When I grow up, who told you you will? <laughs> Praise God. Who told you you will? It's a good thing if we die tomorrow and we go to be with God. Yeah, but to be honest, there's more responsibility. But many people, <laughs> many people will say, ah, there's still time he will change. So they don't preach the gospel with that urgency. Well, that's not what we're talking about today. First Corinthians chapter 12 is 1. Don't let anything affect your desire. First Corinthians 12, 1, are you there? Everybody read from verse 1, 1, 2, go. You see, he says, Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I will not have you ignorant. He says, You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, let me switch to the KJV, sorry. Alright, now concerning spiritual um, gifts, brethren, I will not have you ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away unto these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speak by the Spirit of God, call it Jesus accursed, and that no man can say Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. I explained this to you last week, right? Alright. He says, now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which walketh all in all. I explained this to you last week too, right? Yeah, if you're not sure, go and listen to this. Verse 7 says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to do what? To profit with all. I told you last week that the guideline for the operation of the things of the Spirit are three things. What are they? Edification. Exhortation and comfort. I told you they must edify, they must exhort, and they must comfort. Do you understand? They are given to each man to profit with all. Common edification, the common good. So, if I'm going to prophesy, my prophecy must be unto edification. I won't stand up and say, Brother Jatalaku, stand up. I'm saying that by the Spirit, you stole this brother's money. Is that true? Say yes. Two million exactly. Is that true? You say yes. You say you are condemned. You see, you don't do that. In fact, you don't openly announce people's mistakes. Because it doesn't edify. There's a guideline. You call the person aside, you correct the person. If he doesn't listen, you take a brother, you go to the person, you correct the person. doesn't listen, you report the person to your pastor. When the person does not listen, after pastor has spoken, then pastor can now openly say, for a while we've been trying to correct so-and-so brother, but so-and-so brother is not listening. So I'm openly declaring to the whole church that this is so-and-so brother, this is what he's doing. Do you understand? And he needs to change. If after a while he doesn't change, Paul says, you cast him out of your midst. You send him out. My brother, go away from the church. Praise God. I hope we never have to do that in this church. But make no mistakes, I won't hesitate to do it. Because when somebody has gotten to that point where we have to send you out of the church, you are a problem to the church. Have you seen people who have problems to the church? Yeah, you are a problem to the church now. Anyway, he says, the gift of the Spirit are given to each man to profit with all. So why do I give a word of knowledge? Not to show that I can. Why are you going to prophesy not to show that you can? But you're prophesying for the profiting of the church. And I hope you know when he says the profiting of the church, it doesn't mean that the only time you get to prophesy is when we gather like this. You can prophesy to a brother. You can be praying in your house and get a word of knowledge for a brother. And you call up, call your brother and say, hi. While I was praying for you, the Holy Ghost said so and so and so. Is it true? He says, yes. He said, well, I believe you should do so and so and so. You see, it's for his profiting. Profiting is not restricted to financial things alone. Profiting is not restricted to healings too. Profiting can be direction. Profiting can be correction. The Holy Ghost can reveal to you that a brother is leading this kind of sinful life now. And he's doing it in private. So you call him. You say, my brother, while I was praying for you, I saw so and so. Is it true? 
Some people will want to deny it. Well, you insist. Well, I saw it. And whether it's true or not, please listen to the following things. And you correct the person. It's for his profiting. Do you see that? I went for a meeting one time. And there was a lady sitting in front of me in the meeting. So as I walked into the meeting, the Holy Ghost began to tell me a couple of things that she had done. Now, first of all, understand this. There's no record of wrongs. Do you understand? What that statement means is that although God knows what the wrongs are, he doesn't keep a record of wrongs to punish them, especially for the believer. Do you understand? Do you understand what I'm saying? Good. So, it is true that God knows what the wrongs are. God can tell me, oh, sister so-and-so did so-and-so, because he knows. But he's not telling me for punishment, sake. he's telling me for exhortation, edification, and comfort. Do you see that? So she's sitting there, and the Holy Ghost tells me a couple of things, and I ignore them, because some of these conversations are very awkward to have. Because what the Holy Spirit told you particularly was that she was manifesting with another man that was in a relationship, you know. You know what I mean by manifesting? Yes. You don't know. <laughs> Pray when. <laughs> it will be revealed to you. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm I say, hi, how are you? But I never get around to saying it. And I regret that I didn't. Because a few months down the line, it became a huge problem. It blew up. It became a public thing. Do you understand? I wish I told her. I wish I called her and I, said, and I told her, the Holy Ghost told me that you're doing so and so. Is that true? And she, Do you want me to get you some water? The Holy Ghost told me that you're doing so and so. Is that true? And she will, she will probably say yes or no. But she'll be more careful, you see? Edification. So the gifts of the Spirit are given to each one to profit withal. Praise God. Alright. So he now says in verse 8, for to one given by the spirit the word of wisdom to another the word of knowledge by the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit to another the gifts of healing by the same spirit to another walking of miracles to another prophecy to another discerning of spirits to another kind to another the interpretation of tongues but all these walketh that one and the self same spirit divided every man severally as he wills. Do you see that? Now, I explained to you that there are certain classifications, um, lesser some role um, classified them, and other people have made classifications. And I told you there are three of them, right? You have utterance gifts, you have revelation gifts, and you have power gifts. That's very correct. Last week we talked about utterance gifts and we practiced them. Utterance gifts are basically gifts that you utter do you understand utterance gifts are gifts that are uttered the mode of communication of utterance gifts not just the mode of communication but the way you receive an utterance gift and you deliver it is by words how many of you practice tongues and interpretation after last week's sunday raise your hand above your head yeah you should keep doing it don't just say oh we did it in church i can do it good to go no no, no. keep it up in your prayer time, speak tongues, interpret. Many times the interpretation will be for you. God. Praise God. Did you know you should get words for yourself also? You don't just get words for other people. There are a lot of pastors who make every other person's lives beautiful, but they don't live beautiful lives. Why? Because they're very quick to get words for people. Hi, brother. While I was praying, the Holy Ghost told me that he's bringing you into a certain level of financial wealth. These are the things you need to do, and these are things you should do. But, well, when they pray, they don't listen for themselves. So they don't get words for themselves. So you ought to get words for yourself, too. You don't just give other people words. You get words for yourself. Sometimes in the place of prayer, a word keeps going in your mind. How many of you have experienced that before? Sometimes you keep hearing rivers or abundance, something like that. Do you understand? You flesh it out. I taught you how to do that last week. You say the word and you let the rest flow. Praise Jesus. Alright. So this week we'll take what is Revelation gifts. Revelation gifts. Who glory. Revelation gifts. 
Now, unlike utterance gifts, revelation gifts have their seat of operation in the mind. Revelation gifts have their seat of operation in the mind. Now, many revelation gifts are communicated by words. You see, there are three of them. You have the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. And so some people will confuse that, oh, since it's the word of, then it should be an utterance gift. No. They are classified by how how, where they have their seat of operation. Utterance gifts have their seat of operation in the tongue. The moment you start to speak, the rest of it flows. So it's not like you had a full download of the prophecy in your mind. But as you were speaking, the rest of it was coming. Do you understand? That's utterance. You were just speaking and flowing forth. But revelation gifts, many times it will download in your mind first. Do you get what I'm saying? It will download in your mind first. So you can have a dream. That's revelation gift. That's, it, it, it depends on what the dream is doing. If the dream is telling you about situations that are to come or situations that have already happened, then you will call it a word of knowledge. So a lot of people will think that the only way you can get a word of knowledge is you say like this. I can hear in the heavens this number. See, that's also a word of knowledge. But a dream is also a word of knowledge. You can have a vision. A vision. Um, um, Brother Hagen did a good job in classifying visions. And he said, you can have open visions. You can have night visions. And um, I think you can have spiritual visions. I can't remember how he called that last one. But basically, an open vision is one in which your bodily sense you understand? One in which your bodily senses are so you are literally seeing it with your eyes like this. And you can hear with your ears. And maybe you can even feel things. That's an open vision. Then you have the night vision which is dreams. And then you have spiritual visions which are images that appear in your heart. Do you understand? It's kind of like the thing is, a lot of us have experienced this, but we don't know what to call it. And we are shy to say things like, I saw a vision. How many of you are genuinely shy to say, I saw a vision, or the Lord revealed to me? Raise your hand. You feel like it's something your mother should say, or your father should say, but not you. So you will say something like, something told me, or I saw something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, however you want to phrase it, shall make sure that you communicate what you saw. Do you understand? Good. So, for example, you can be praying. And in your prayer, in your heart, it's, it almost feels like your imagination. Images begin to form. But you know this is not you trying to imagine this thing. It, sometimes it can be distracting because it keeps entering into your prayer. You are trying to pray and just, bah. And, every, and you're like, please let me pray. Do you understand? What you are experiencing is also a vision. Do you get what I'm saying? And your vision, a lot of people also believe that if, you're, you, if you must have a vision, it will be a vision about angels or God or Jesus Christ. So you saw a vision and Jesus walked into your room. You know? No, not really. You can have a vision about things to come. Do you see? Prophet Agabus, for example, he had a vision. He saw... Paul, you know, he saw two sticks. Um, he saw Paul arrested. And then he demonstrated what he But he saw it in a vision. Example. Praying. And he said he saw a man of, was it Ephesus or Macedonia, beckoning to him to come. That was in a vision. But he was sleeping then, so it was in a night vision. In a dream. Now, this does not mean that all your dreams have meaning. Hello? Yeah. This does not mean that all your dreams have meaning. Praise Jesus. Listen, many times when you wake up from a dream that is a vision, you will know. Is that true? That sometimes when you wake up and you're like, I had a dream and I believe it means something. 
Now, number two, there is no specific guideline for interpretation of dreams. There's no one that exists. So, some people will tell you things like, eating in the dream is always bad. Have you heard that before? But did you know that the only time that somebody ate in the dream in the Bible, it was God that fed the person? And that was with Peter. So where did we get it from? <laughs> Amen. Yeah. So not every... Um, not, <laughs> listen, try as much as possible to understand that the interpretation of dreams is not an exact science. So you saw a black cat in your dream. Ah, it's witches and wizards. They're following me. Say, and the truth is, you will tell the person, I saw a cat in my dream. Say, what color was it? Say, black. Ah. <laughs> Go and pray. <laughs> They're pursuing you. <laughs> not necessarily. God is a master communicator. He will communicate with you in the best way that you will understand. Do you understand? So, many times, look at it, for example. When you hear a child who had a vision, and this child has been exposed to a lot of cartoons, his vision would always come in that cartoonish setting. So, this person was chasing this person. Then Superman came and saved the person. And then you now turned into Superman. They saw a vision quite all right. But God, he interacted with that kid on his level. Is the mercy of God. Do you understand? It's the graciousness of a father. The ability to know that this child does not understand the things that I understand, so I'll, like, I'll talk to him the way he would understand it. So don't now create a system of interpretation. So every time in my dream, when I see a black bird, it's my grandma. But when the bird is white, it's my grandma from my father's side. <laughs> you know that many times, those interpretations can be biased based on your emotions. So the black bird will represent your grandma from your mother's side because you don't like her. But that white one is your grandma from your father's side because she always buys you good things. So, praise God. Don't ever, don't, don't, don't look at it as an exact science. So, every time I see a dream in my this it means this in fact i'm not a big fan of you going to meet somebody else to interpret your dreams for you listen peter woke up from that dream okay so for example now the bible says peter in acts chapter 9 was it 10 acts 10 peter was on top of that roof and the young man was hungry and he had told them to make food for him so they were preparing for the guy. And he was upstairs. And the smell was entering his nose. And he slept off. And he dreamt about food. Like, what did you expect? He was hungry and he slept. He would dream about food. Now, in that God comes to him. Gives him a sheet of animals. Says, rice, kill, eat. Peter says, I don't eat unclean meat. God says, don't kill what I've called clean. Don't call what I've called clean unclean. You see? It happened three times. Peter got up and he, the Bible says Peter was pondering what manner of dream this was. He was trying to figure out what's the meaning of this thing. He didn't now go and meet John. That John, let me tell you something that happened. So in my dream, I saw pig. I saw bats. I saw many animals. Snail. God said I should kill it. No, I heard the voice that said I should kill it. John went now and say, ah, thank God you did not kill it and eat it. Because you not have woken up from that dream. <laughs> You see, that wasn't how it happened. Peter had this dream, and then immediately afterwards, these guys came and whisked him away to Cornelius' house. Very painful, because we don't know whether Peter got to eat the food that he was hungry about. But they whisked him away to Cornelius' house. And he got there, and the Bible says he was preaching the gospel to them, and the Holy Ghost fell, then he understood the dream. Do you understand? He understood, don't call don't call unclean what I have made clean. So, the animals were a representative of the Gentiles. Do you understand? And Peter rising to kill and eat was a representative of him taking the gospel to the Gentiles. 
And God says, don't call unclean what I have made clean. And he told them, I have now seen that of the truth. God is no respecter of persons. You see that phrase that Peter uttered in Cornelius' house was the point of the entire dream. Now, let me ask you a question. Following normal um, symbolisms, would he have ever come to the conclusion that this dream means that God is not a respecter of persons? No. If I saw a snake in my dream, ah, it's unclean. I saw a pig in my dream. It's a pig, pig. Ah, no. It's unclean. Do you understand? He would never come to that conclusion. But as he allowed things unfold, he started to see what it meant. Many times you will have dreams that prepare you for future things. You wouldn't know what the dream is preparing you for. You wouldn't know exactly what God wants you to do. In such times, what you do is you write it down. Do you understand? Why are you writing it down? For reference sake. You write it down. The truth is this. The moment that thing that that dream was about starts to unfold in your life, there's a way you will remember. Oh, I had a dream. And in my dream, this, this, this happened. And I believe this is what he was telling me about. Do you understand? There are other times when dreams are what they are. Do you understand? They are just dreams. You know, when I was younger, not when I was younger, I still love Harry Potter very much. Sue me. And so, but when I was a lot younger, I had this habit, not habit, I had love for Harry Potter, so I used to watch it a lot. Do you understand? And this one night, I finished watching it, and I dreamt that I was in Hogwarts. <laughs> yeah. I was a wizard. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> you know, I dreamt that I was in Hogwarts and I had a wand and I was flying on a broomstick and I was casting spells and fighting, you know, terrible things like trolls. And I woke up from the dream. But because of my traditional mentality, I started to think, ah, Harry Potter is very demonical. Now, make no mistakes. Many of these movies have demonic undertones. What I mean is, it's not that they are possessed, but the people who wrote the movies might have been used by the devil to propagate something. Do you understand? If not, why would somebody want to make us believe that witches and wizards are good? That they are good witches and wizards and bad witches and wizards? You know, something like that. So in that light, you will be careful what you watch. But that the movie itself has a demon that is attacking children. Not necessarily. It's a film. <laughs> Do you understand? But because of that dream I had, I started to think, ah, this movie, if you watch it, you'll be possessed. And then, what I didn't know was that I had that dream because I had just finished watching Harry Potter. So sometimes dreams are just what they are. Dreams. Some of the time, message in dreams can be plain and simple. Do you understand? You dreamt, you saw your grandma pursuing you. You wake up, you will pray. <laughs> because she might really be pursuing you. So you just pray. Whether she's pursuing you or not, just pray so you'll be safe. Just, just take care of things first. That Father, I'm covered. Amen. <laughs> Do you get? Yeah. But I said, visions can come um, a word of knowledge can come in many several ways it can come as a vision sometimes it comes like the voice of God that you normally hear do you understand that voice that tells you do this don't do this sometimes that word of knowledge just comes like that you hear a name in your heart do you understand it sounds like you're, you're the one thinking of the name but you know you didn't think this up because it interrupted your thoughts so you hear a name in your heart you hear a number you hear something you know Sometimes you don't hear the full thing. You hear a bit of it. Do you get what I'm saying? But you will be ready to say what you heard. Praise God. Praise the Lord. I'm telling you, the reason why I'm talking about it so practically is because you are going to practice it. Amen. Amen. Uh-uh. Amen. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how it works. Now you've got what is called the word of wisdom. A lot of people have defined the word of wisdom in a lot of ways. Um, one school of thought believes that the word of wisdom is a, is a 
knowledge about future events that are to come. But that's not very correct. All right. Word of wisdom is an instruction following a word of knowledge. A word of wisdom is an instruction following a word of knowledge. Or let me say, is an instruction that most times follows a word of knowledge. For example, you have Joseph in Genesis 39. Yes, in Genesis 39, you have Joseph in front of Pharaoh. Pharaoh has had this dream. Seven fat calves and then seven lean calves that swallowed up the seven fat calves. Do you see? And then these seven lean calves that swallowed up the seven fat calves still remained lean. Do you remember that vision? That dream. And Joseph comes and Joseph interprets that dream. Now make no mistakes, Joseph did not interpret the dream by understanding what calves means. He interpreted the dream by word of knowledge. Do you understand? Do you understand? So let me, re- let me, let me restate it. Now remember that Pharaoh told Joseph to tell him the dream and interpret it. First of all, Joseph knowing the dream was a display of word of knowledge. Do you understand? So his interpretation was also word of knowledge. Do you understand? But following the interpretation, he now followed with, you will now start storing food in a barn from this time to this time. You store this amount for this time to this time. That's word of wisdom. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? That's the word of wisdom at play. So, Agabus has a word of knowledge about something that's going to happen to Paul if he travels. And on the word of knowledge, he gives an instruction. Don't do this. That's a word of wisdom. That's the way the word of wisdom works. It usually works with the word of knowledge. There are other times when the word of wisdom comes on its own. Like an instruction. The Holy Ghost says to you, do so, 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 so. Word of wisdom. But many times it will come, many times it will work with the word of knowledge. In practical day terms, you will hear something like, there's a ministry in your life. Now that's a word of knowledge. The Holy Ghost has called you to do so and so. Is that true? You say, yes, that's true. Well, he's telling me to tell you to do so, 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 so. Those other things that I'm telling you that you should do are word of wisdom. Praise Jesus. Because you see, wisdom is the right application of knowledge. Do you understand that? Wisdom is the right application of knowledge. So, the word of wisdom is... And listen, it is by revelation too. <laughs> it, like, it's not common sense. It's not common sense. It's by revelation also. Some of, these, some of the things you call the word of wisdom come by revelation not common sense do you understand so for example um god has told you go that he wants you to set up a secondary school um outreach now by word of knowledge i call you and i say oh set up a secondary school outreach do this then by word of wisdom and i'll start giving you strategies in the spirit things you should do spend three months praying before you start Go to so-so person, learn so-so thing. That's word of wisdom. Do you understand? There are instructions given following the word of knowledge. There are instructions given on the application of knowledge by the Spirit. Praise Jesus. So the Bible says, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate unto me so, um, Paul and Barnabas for the work whereunto I have given them. That's the word right there. Do you understand? I hope you know the Holy Ghost did not say from the sky. When the Holy Ghost said, he said through a man. Do you know that? Alright, let's go to Acts chapter 13 verse 1. We'll read to verse 6, I think. Acts 13 1. Are you there? Acts 13 1. Everybody look into your Bibles. He says, now... There were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, 
separate unto me Paul and Barnabas for the work whereunto I have called them. And he says, and when they had fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. Is that what it says? But verse 4 now says, so be forth by the Holy Ghost. Verse 3 tells us that it was the gathering of Paul and Barnabas after laying hands on them. But verse 4 says it was the Holy Ghost. So what they did in the gathering was a representative of the work of the Spirit. Do you get what I'm saying? So when um, they came out and said, the Holy Ghost said, separate unto me Paul and Barnabas, somebody said it by the Spirit. Not that there was a thundering from the heavens. They're like, who is that? Like, first of all, if you hear thunder from the sky in the in form of a voice, you won't ask who is that. You will know. <laughs> Praise God. But that's a classic example of a word of wisdom. They prayed. Prayed for a while. Then the Holy Ghost says, separate unto me Saul and Barnabas for the work whereunto I have called them. So they said, so of you, come. The Holy Ghost has told us to separate you for a walk. Alright, come. Kneel down. They laid hands on them, prayed some more, fasted some more. And then they said, right, go now. Word of wisdom. The third gift, under Revelation gift, is the discerning of spirits. The discerning of spirits. The discerning of spirits. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The discerning spirits. So I've talked to you about word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and now I'm talking to you about discerning of the discerning of spirits is a spiritual operation in which you can tell um, the operation of spirits around you. All these things sound very, very, very interesting. <laughs> so, for example, it is by descending of spirits that you can descend the activity of angels around you. Praise God. It is also by descending of spirit that you can descend the activity of demons around the person. The problem is that many people, especially pastors, they are more interested in descending demons than angels. You understand? As I walked into, I saw seven demons. First of all, why would I walk into a church and see demons in the church? Something is wrong with the church. It means people don't pray in that church. <laughs> Do you understand? So as I walked into the church, I saw seven demons. Listen, demons cannot stay in a place where angels are walking. You understand? Light and darkness don't mix. So when you have a believer who is oppressed by a devil, when he's coming to the church, he will leave that demon outside and come in. And when he's going, he will go back out and carry his load and go home. But you don't, like it doesn't happen. So, for example, you can have somebody who is possessed, not oppressed now. A believer, I taught you this when I taught you Holy Ghost. He who is joined to the Lord is one, is one. So the spirit the believer carries is the Holy Ghost. You don't have two spirits living inside your body. Your human spirit and the Holy Spirit. No. The moment you came into Christ, what you call your human spirit that was dead was replaced with the Holy Ghost. So you carry the Holy Spirit inside you. Amen. But a person who is possessed, that human spirit is replaced with a demon spirit. So most people like witches and wizards have demon spirits living inside of them. And it is by those demon spirits that they can do the supernatural things they do. Do you understand? Just like it is by the Holy Ghost that we can do the supernatural things that we do. Do you understand? So, for example, when you have somebody who is um, possessed with a spirit, the person can walk into this place when there's no angelic activity going on. But once the angels start to move, they will fish the person out. It's very typical. It, the person starts with shouting, rolling, squirming, because light and darkness don't dwell in the same place. You understand? 
But well, you understand all those things by the discerning of spirit. And the discerning of spirit does not mean that you can see the angel with your two coral eyes like this. Do you understand? It's exactly the same way by word of knowledge, you know some things. So by descending of spirit, sometimes you just know things. Do you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes you just know, ah, there are angels around. Sometimes you look at somebody and you see the way the person is behaving and you know this person is under the, uh, under the influence of a demon. Have you met people like that before? That, listen, many times as Christians, we're not sensitive to things like that. And we, we're not trained, so we call it the, right, the wrong things. So, for example, you meet somebody that's doing something and your statement about the person is, my spirit does not agree with this person. Because you really feel there's an unease you are feeling inside. You don't know what that unease is. Many times you're discerning the spirits. Do you understand what I'm saying? Somebody comes to tell you, ah, he's sick. And you know, you know there's sometimes when your friend tells you, oh, I'm sick. I'm like, go to the hospital. And there are times when your friend tells you, I'm sick, and you know that he's more than the sickness. Am I saying the truth? You are descending a spirit, but you've not been trained to call it what it is. Amen. A lady came to meet me sometime last year. I think it was this year, I can't remember. Sure, she met me. And she told me, I've not seen my blood flow in months now. She wasn't pregnant. In fact, when she asked me, she told me, the first thing I asked her was, have you is there, has there been a yeah, manifestation <laughs> of the sons of God? Amen. <laughs> yeah. But she said, oh, yes, she's done that before. And she got pregnant. But she aborted the baby. And ever since she aborted the baby, she hasn't seen her blood flow. So I was like, hmm, okay, let me pray for you to be healed. So I put my hand on this woman. And then, I'm about to start praying. And I didn't see with my eyes, but I sensed that there was a demonic influence on her. So instead of praying, oh, be healed now in the name of Jesus, I instead casted out the devil. I said, go, let her go in Jesus' name. Now, she didn't fall. She didn't scream with a loud voice. And now, you know, jagpa, 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 and that's it. You know, she didn't do all of that. She stood. And I told her, so you will see your blood flow. Because by word of knowledge, I, by descending of spirits, which works like word of knowledge sometimes, I knew that the demon had gone. Do you understand? So I asked her, go. I told her, by Tuesday, you will see your blood flow. You know. And then Monday evening, she called me, and she was like, that, guess what happened? I'm like, what happened? And she's like, my blood has definitely... I've never seen somebody so happy to <laughs> have a period. <laughs> You know, it was a demonic oppression. Do you see that? Now, somebody who is not sending spirits or who has been trained to descend spirits will keep praying for healing. Do you understand? But it wasn't a healing she needed. She needed a deliverance, quote and unquote. Praise God. Yeah. So, <laughs> so um, many times when you are saying, oh, my spirit does not agree with the person. Be trained enough to ask yourself why. Sometimes it's just that you have the root of bitterness in you. <laughs> and you need to cleanse it. <laughs> but other times, it might actually be a genuine, I don't, I don't know what it is. But I, I can't really agree with what this guy is doing. I can see him doing a lot of miracles, but I can't place my finger on what it is yet. Many times when you have that, the wise thing to do is stay away from that person for a while. Till that thing that you have inside you matures and you know what exactly it is. Do you understand? So I would always say till you flesh it out. Till you flesh it out. Sometimes you see somebody and you say there's something about you. What you are doing is you are discerning spirits. You can descend the favor of God on a person. Do you understand? Sometimes you can see a person and you know that God's hand is strong on this person's life. But you can't, not, not, you didn't know because you saw the person doing it and people were following the power of God. No. You just met the person. You're like, man of God, something, some, you know, there, there are some people, do you know that if a native doctor meets a pastor, even pastor is not wearing suit, he will know. In fact, has it ever happened to you before? You finish praying. For those of you that go to schools that have cultists in them, 
you finished praying, you came out, somebody you never met before called you, ah, pastor, they're seeing something that you can't see. Do you understand? Many of these people that use jazz, they know. Do you understand? It's the same operation. It's the same operation. The same way Paul was walking through that marketplace, and this young woman was following them everywhere, proclaiming, these people are men of God. What she was saying, was it true? But Paul turned and casted out the devil. How? Descending of spirits. Do you understand? Sometimes it's not about what they are doing. You will see beyond what is. You know. Now, this does not now turn you into a spiritual detective when you're seeing someone. You're not like, what's up with this guy? No, 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 no. Please be normal. Okay, have normal conversations with people. Praise God. Yeah, have normal conversations with people. But at other times, it's you. there are times when the Holy Spirit prompts you in that direction. He prompts you in that direction. There, there are ladies or guys that I've met. In fact, they start telling me what their dream is. They came to tell me to interpret dream for them. And as they are talking, I can discern that there is a strong demonic oppression on their lives. Trust me, demonic oppression is real. Do you understand what I'm saying? Demonic oppression is real. I've entered into people's homes that I know that the devil is doing this family well. And the problem is, many of them are Christians in the family. But they won't know what exactly is going on. Why? They can't discern spirits. They don't know. So, you see them, it's like they take one step forward, ten steps backward. Why is that repeatedly happening in your life? Is there the devil doing you somewhere? But also realize that discerning of spirit, while discerning of spiritual, discerning of spirits is a spiritual gift, discernment is not. Discernment is something every Christian should have. What do I mean by discernment? Now, a pastor is preaching. You can discern with what he's saying is right or wrong. Not by your spirit, but by studying. Do you understand? Do you understand? So you are not gullible. You discern. A lot of people will say, I know that what he said is not very, I can't find it in the Bible, but it agrees with my spirit. We don't care. When it comes to doctrine, it's not a spiritual affair, it's Bible. I don't care how, once it's doctrine, I'm discerning by the word of God. But discerning of spirits, on the other hand, is a spiritual gift. I can tell that, like, you can tell that a man of God is prayerful. You can tell that somebody that is ministering to you is prayerful. Why? There's some, like, when you meet, you say there's something about him. It's those kinds of people that everywhere was dry, they picked up the microphone to preach and the entire atmosphere changed. Do you understand? There's something that rubbed off on them. It's called the glory of God. And you can discern it. Praise God. 